on the sixth day of October, Halloween gave to me six psychic scamming, five naked witches, four alien spelunking, three UFO abductions, two deputy so-and-sos, and a masked hawk being creepy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the 31 Days of Horror here on Legion Podcasts, uh, or The Dark Parade, depending which feed you're listening to. And if you're not subscribed to both, then what are you doing with your life? That's the question I pose to you, ladies and jelly spoons. Um, we are talking about a real banger today, a, a hometown favorite. I don't think if you've listened to me uh, at any length, and God help you if you have, you probably know that I am a big Mike Flanagan fan. I think he is uh, sort of the cinematic equivalent of Stephen King. There is something about his ability to take the mundane, the commonplace, and, and give it that supernatural nudge to spin it into horror that I really like. Uh, Stephen King is a master of that uh, on the written page. Um, and Flanagan, I think, is a, a master of that in film. And I think it's one of the reasons that he adapts king as well as he does is because they are some uh you know cut, cut from the same cloth uh so to speak and so um we are talking today about of course another blumhouse movie we got a handful of these uh yet to go and uh we're talking about ouija origin of evil which is a prequel to ouija which is not a very good movie and that's kind of what makes this so interesting and, um, and, and kind of contrasts and compares it with a movie like Annabelle Creation, where I thought Annabelle was kind of a crap movie, but Annabelle Creation, I think, is very good. The one thing that both of these movies have in common, by the way, Lulu Wilson uh, playing a lead role in both of those movies, which I think is kind of interesting. So... Anyway, she's the little girl, um, what gets possessed here in Ouija Origin of Evil. And so Mike Flanagan takes over uh, as director of this prequel. And Ouija did well financially, but it was kind of a mess critically. And it wasn't terribly well received. And Flanagan agreed to do the sequel with a couple of caveats, right? He wanted to be able to do the film in a way that would have been filmed at the time. Like, uh, he used as much period technology as he could. And even though there is some CGI in this, as we'll talk about, um, you know, the, the movie looks authentic to a movie that was made in, in the 60s, mostly. Uh, I think it's a little clearer than that. Like, it's not quite as grainy as some of those films. But th that was his approach. And... He also cast, you know, another great thing uh, about Flanagan that I really dig is that he was pulling like Elizabeth Reeser that he had used in Haunting of Hill House and Lulu Wilson that he had used in Haunting of Hill House and Henry Thomas that he had used in Haunting of Hill House. You know, like he, he's filling the, the movies uh, with, you know, cast that he likes. Kate Siegel uh, shows up briefly at the beginning of this movie and... You know, he does that kind of down the line. He, he likes to stack 
his projects with people that he likes working with. And I think that's great. I like a director that's got a stable of actors that he can kind of trust. And, you know, I'm sure that there is a cinematic shorthand between him and a lot of these actors now of like, Hey, I want you to do this thing like you did before, but give it this little twist. And, and they trust him and he trusts them. And it makes for a great set environment. I am sure. And also makes for, uh, I think very good art. And, uh, so Ouija is kind of a mess. Ouija origin of evil is announced. And the only thing that makes it interesting is the fact that Mike Flanagan is doing it. And, uh, so I was, I would say trepidatious about this film. And I think from the opening scene, my mind was kind of set at ease uh, because it opens with Kate Siegel and um, she is like a skeptic while this father is uh, an old man. It, it, it comes to Elizabeth Reeser's character, Alessander, um, and wants to contact uh, his dead wife. And, uh, you know, like I said, Kate Siegel is kind of skeptical that uh, Alice Xander is actually a medium. And, uh, you know, but they've got the place rigged. Like, they're, they're charlatans. They're, they're con people. <laughs> you know, Elizabeth and, uh, or Alexander and her kids. Doris, who is Lulu Wilson, who's the little girl. And Lena, who is the, the older daughter. And so they convince them, or at least convince the father, that he is contacting the great beyond. And there is a bit of a trope in these kinds of movies or, or television shows or stories that feature the medium that with a heart of gold that knows that she's a bit of a scam artist. Uh, doesn't really admit that to herself, but is a bit of a, a con person. Um, but convinces herself that she's doing good. Right, like she's bringing people peace and and that sort of thing. Older daughter Lena, not so convinced of this, and but you know she goes along with it. It's how they make their money in the wake of their father uh, being dead. You know the husband has has died, and so that's kind of the family dynamic. Is we've got you know this family of grifters reeling from the loss of of the the man in the house. Uh, husband and father that was beloved apparently like he, he wasn't a bad guy or anything and uh, then enter the horrific element which is one night Lena uh, sneaks out and plays Ouija with uh, some of the local kids and you know they get the rules which are yeah don't play it in a graveyard uh, always say goodbye don't play it alone i think those are the big three rules and she gets in trouble for sneaking out but she tells her mother like hey you ought to try this ouija board thing it, it's uh, you know I, I think it would be effective in our con <laughs> in our scam and so uh, she gets one so alice uh, the mom uh grabs a Ouija board and, and kind of dresses it up, get, uh, you know, paints the planchette a little bit to make it look more authentic than just an off the shelf Ouija board. And, um, you know, rigs it up with magnets and that kind of thing. So she can move it around under the table. And, uh, the problem though, is that the little girl, uh, Doris 
begins to exhibit signs that she is actually able to communicate with something other than, you know, a fake ghost. That she is contacting something real. And she thinks at first that it might be her father. Uh, and, and there's kind of promises that she'll be able to talk to her father. But what it is, of course, because this is a horror movie, is that it's uh, an evil spirit trying to seduce her and uh, allow entry uh, so that she can be possessed, which she pretty quickly is. And when she gets possessed, her mouth opens real wide in a style that was somewhat familiar by the time this thing landed in 2016, uh, and her eyes roll up white. And that is where the CGI comes in. But I gotta say, I find the use of it in this movie to be very creepy. And there is one scene in particular where you see her staring at the television and her eyes have gone white and her mouth opens up super wide. And I, I think it's effective. I think it's a, a creepy scare. Um, also, there is a wonderful moment where she is using the sort of Oculus on the planchette to look around. Because that was a thing, uh, I believe, that was established in the, the first movie in Ouija. That if you look through the planchette, you can see spirits. And as she's doing it, you can see this shadow figure kind of scooting out of the eyeline, uh, which is eerie. And then, and then, uh, it just crams its arm down poor Doris's throat as she becomes fully possessed. It's a creepy scene. I think it's really an effective scare. Uh, and I think a lot of this movie is really eerie. The worst is that once she is possessed, one of her evil superpowers is that she'll just start whispering and whatever she is whispering is something that makes you just lose all faith in hope and humanity and makes you corrupt and evil. Um, and there's a side character in the movie that we haven't really mentioned, which is Henry Thomas's character who plays father Tom, who is uh, a guy that joined the priesthood fairly late in life, uh, comparatively because of losing his wife. And then he sort of jumped into the, into the priesthood. And he has this really interesting relationship with Alice where it, they go on kind of a date as they're talking about, you know, Hey, Lena's acting out, but Doris is also exhibiting some weird behavior. And father Tom is kind of interested in, in what's going on or is trying to be protective of, the, the family and there's this intimation that if Alice and father Tom, if he was not a priest, then they would probably be a couple that they would probably hook up. And, and Alice even kind of gussies up for the date she has with father Tom, which is really just a, you know, a dinner date, but they're discussing, uh, the family and that kind of thing. So it, it, again, another interesting little element of this story. This is one of those things where e if you removed all the supernatural elements, it's still a pretty interesting story. And I, I, one of those things Flanagan's great with is, you know, make sure that the story underneath the horror is good and the horror works even better. And so when you start to see, little Doris running around being evil. You're like, well, that kind of stinks because 
you know, I want, I'm rooting for this family. I think they're good people. And Alice is sort of seduced along with Doris as she's exhibiting not just signs of possession, but signs that she's actually contacting the gray beyond when Lena is like, Hey, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Doris is getting creepy. And Alice says, you know, she's fine. It's just that all my life I've been a fraud and now we're legitimate. Like we can actually help people, not just pretend to help people, but we can actually help people. And how great is that? And so she's sort of willingly blinding herself to uh, the behavior of, of Doris. Um, and of course, this all culminates in, into the third act of the film when Doris starts whispering t- to people and they start going crazy and killing themselves and chasing after other people with knives and whatnot. And it, it's a big, you know, uh, orgy of violence and evil and, and that kind of thing. And it ends in a pretty grim place. You know, the, there was <laughs> there was a time where I would have told you my biggest complaint with Ouija Origin of Evil is the way it ends. Uh, much like Sinister, which we talked about earlier in the week. And how Sinister ends in a place that it's it just lands on a jump scare, which Origin of Evil kind of does too. But it also implies much more of like, oh, this is an evil that is going to go forward. Uh, I don't think it's quite as jump scary as the Bagul face just jumping into frame. I think it's a, a little more intelligent than that or a little more cinematic than that. Um, and it leads into Ouija. I, I was so tempted, people, so tempted to, after watching Origin of Evil, of like, well, let's see the original Ouija again and see how much stuff Mike Flanagan pays off in terms of, well, this came from this and this came from this, you know, tying the two films together. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized like, oh, I don't, I really don't want to know. I don't remember much of Ouija. I just remember not liking it very much. And so I'm just going to sit with Origin of Evil. And you can contact me and tell me if I'm doing this the wrong way (laughs) that I need to go back and watch it. But I, so here's what I love about Ouija Origin of Evil. I think it's a great family drama. I think the scares work for the most part. I think there's some really creepy stuff in it. And, and so, and by creepy, I mean stuff that, that evokes dread. It's not just jump scares. It's not just, um, horror tropes being thrown up on the screen that you've seen a million times before. Although there is some familiarity with that kind of thing, but it's all in service of the story. And, you know, again, to go back to that Stephen King comparison, if I read this as a book, I would find this to be a satisfying story. And that's what I love most about this is I feel like I'm getting a real story about this family that, you know, in an almost shining esque way, completely falls apart because of the influence of, of not the house in this case, but, um, because of the influence of this Ouija board. And I think there is some definite shining comparisons to be made uh, with Dora substituted in the role of Jack Torrance and the rest of the family being kind of willingly blind to how bad things are getting until they're really, really bad. Um, and I think all the performances are really good. It's got some decent kid acting in it. Taurus uh, lays down on... Uh, this guy named Mikey, this would-be boyfriend for Lena, um, 
talks to him about uh, what strangulation is like and what actually happens. And it's a really eerie moment where this little girl is just very factually, very scientifically, very coldly explaining what the human body does as you as you suffocate. And it's really terrible. And more, made more so by the fact that it's what later happens to Mikey. Uh, which is, I, I, again, a nice little turn of, of the story. But um, I think it's great. I think Mike Flanagan makes great horror movies. I think this is one of the better Blumhouse horror films in terms of just being solidly scary, solidly interesting, good characters, uh, great payoffs. It, it's just good. It's just a good movie. And it kind of stinks that it lives as a prequel to a movie that's not so great because it deserves to be seen. You know, it if, <laughs> for all of the uh, prequels and sequels uh, that Blumhouse has, has put out, it's interesting that the prequel movies like this and Annabelle Creation are both amongst the best. And it's probably because in both cases, they you know, tapped good horror directors like Annabelle creation, uh, was done by, um, not Mike Flanagan. Who am I thinking of? Uh, David Sandberg, who did lights out that short film that got a lot of, uh, attention and then went on to do the feature film, which wasn't as good, but it was all right. And, uh, then did Shazam, which I think is terrific, but Annabelle creation is great. And, uh, so, you know, it turns out, <laughs> If you give these properties to people who know how to make a scary movie, those properties end up being better. And I think that both Annabelle Creation, which we're not going to talk about this year, but maybe maybe another time, um, and Ouija Origin of Evil, I think they're both terrific uh, versions of, of this, you know, like how do you make a franchise better um, with these subsequent movies. And... But then they, you know, start getting uh, other directors and writers involved that aren't so good. That that Annabelle series has exactly one high point, and it is Annabelle creation. And Ouija, you know, there's only the one film following Ouija, and it's Ouija Origin of Evil. And maybe it's best you just stop right there. Like, this could have been a standalone movie that has nothing to do with any kind of franchise, and it's still great. So, uh, love or Ouija Origin of Evil. It is such a great Halloween movie. Um, it's a really good, like, turn out the lights and and let the movie happen to you. And I think it, it's really creepy and, and scary. And I don't know that it's totally inappropriate for kids. Like, I think this is a PG-13 kind of film. So you could probably get away with watching this with the kids. Although some of the more family drama stuff, they may not uh, be as into as an adult. Because I think it does deal with uh, some adult themes. But, yeah, it's terrific. I really, 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 really like it. Um, okay. So, uh, that'll do it for this time. We still have some, uh, a, a little bit of Blumhouse left to go. We got a couple, three movies uh, in that vein to do. Um, but if you would like to, you know, offer some feedback about uh, this here movie, Ouija Origin of Evil... Um, if you go to the post, you can go to legionpodcasts.com and there you can find posts about all of these movies that we're talking about. And on those posts, there are links to all the social media feeds. 
Um, I generally am most responsive, not generally, I am most responsive on the Discord. Uh, I tend to look at the other social media stuff only about once every day, every couple of days. So uh, if you want to have a conversation about these movies, hop over to the Discord and uh, and drop me a line or just shoot me a message on the other ones and I'll catch up to it. So um, as always, I really appreciate listening to this. If you are listening on the Dark Parade feed, please be sure you are subscribing to the Legion podcast feed. And if you're listening on the Legion podcast feed, uh, hop over to the Dark Parade feed where you can hear more of this kind of stuff on a weekly basis uh, over there. So uh, that is it for this time. Uh, Have yourselves a a terrific Thursday. Uh, Have a spooky Thursday. And we are, you know, 25 movies away from Halloween. So uh, I'm excited. I'm glad you're joining me for, for all of this. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you then.